Hey, all you Theosciples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com, your Great Commission transmission. Episode 95. The one where, could it be Satan? The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo naughty people out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm David Gay. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the Theo Nots. That's kind of awkward. <laughs> Whoa. You're naughty. <laughs> I hate that word. Naughty? Oh, it's just a terrible word. Did you ever see Tommy Boy? Oh, yeah. I love that whole scene where he's like, or he's talking about how he blows his sails, yeah. and he's using the comparison of Jojo, the Indian <laughs> Indian boy with the pretty little pet. He takes that role and he starts petting on it. You're a pretty pet, but you're naughty. You're, you're naughty. naughty. <laughs> <laughs> ah, my I favorite, killed it. My favorite part of that is fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways, yeah, that's awesome. So how you doing, David? Good. Hey, we've been. You've been MIA for like two weeks. Well, yeah, two shows. Yeah. No, wait, wait. No, two weeks. Two weeks, one show. Yeah, you were here three weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. So, so I'm back. Well, what's up with that? Guess who's what, back? What, what's been holding you All right. Up? So at finals week last week, uh, there's a baby in the mix. What? Yes. Uh, have our, I, haven't we list, announced this? No, yet? our listeners do not know <laughs> oh, my goodness. what is going on. Yeah. So uh, Christina and I, my wife, have uh, decided to adopt. A baby girl who will be born um, next month on the 13th. June 13th is the due date. Do it! <laughs> it could be any time now. <laughs> so we're getting, you know, we're, we're in preparation for that. Um, we, you know, we've been raising funds and working on all the, the stuff that, that we have to work on for that. And, man, I tell you, getting it's... Getting ready for your home study or whatever? Yes, the home study, all that fun things and so it's it's just been a kind of a whirlwind month for me um mm-hmm. and this baby's like due like yeah yeah most people have nine months to prepare we have barely a month so <laughs> it's fun uh, you know it's it's awesome but uh we're just we're really praising the lord it's a it's a uh it was a God-led thing from start to finish so far, you know? Mm-hmm. So you Theo uh, disciples out there, you need to be praying for uh, baby Blakely is her name. Awesome. Uh, and she'll be here in, well, almost like 30 days, so big deal. Sweet. Yeah, so. Awesome. Excited. Yes, me too. And so that's that's part of the reason I've been out. And the other part, yeah, we had finals, and now I'm done ready for summer, and I just had a lot going on, so... Uh, my main man Jack filled in last week. How'd he, he do? Did, I he still did. haven't listened to it. He did I need a gr- to great job. Yeah, really? He, he did really good. Yeah? Yeah. 
We talked about uh, you know the Sermon on the Mount and yeah Matthew five six and seven yeah we'll bring some of that up today too. we will it's some it's interesting kind of a good stuff. kickoff for that right um, but oh did you listen to the last Finding Christ in Cinema I haven't is it good it was good <laughs> is it their but last it's, one I'm sad yeah. is it their last one I haven't listened to it they just didn't, they they announced that they were putting the hiatus on it putting the hold on it. So that's really sad. Yeah, but there's a there's a bright side. We get two two new shows. Out right, of exactly. So th- we haven't heard the last of Michael and Brendan on, of course not, the GCT network. No, they're just they're branching modes. out. That's yes. right. So we're getting the worship worship show show, and and then I'm not sure what the title of the other one is, but it's a it's a, in the works. It's the Lord of the Rings. Yes, it's the Lord of the Rings uh, podcast. Tolkienish type of thing. Of course, going on it there. is. So with Michael, it wouldn't be anything different. <laughs> That's great. So awesome. So God bless Finding Christ in Cinema and everything you guys have done. Yes, so far, and and they will do a show or two here and there. I think one but. of the best podcasts. I'm telling you, you got to go check out their archive. Go listen. You got roughly a hundred movies. Yeah. Worth of, of content there. Right. That you can use yes. to tell, share your people or share your friends Christ. Yes. yes. So, so. Pretty neat. Awesome. Anyways. All right. You want to jump through it? Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Fear gives way to sin. <laughs> sin leads to the dark side. <laughs> Which leads to suffering. Suffering. That's right. I don't even know. That. You know the hate. quote? I don't know the quote. Fear. Fear leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Anger. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. <laughs> hate leads to suffering. Suffering leads to the dark side. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to talk about the conception of sin. Right. So, and that can be confusing. It's like, what are we talking about? But I think we're kind of what we're the question we're kind of asking is when does sin become sin in uh, in us? Exactly. Does it does it start? You know, does it start when we do the act? Does it start when we think the thought? Does it start when we think the somewhere in the middle there is there this magical point where sin happens? What you know? What what is this sin thing? You know, we're talking about and and why is it so important to understand that? that concept. Why is it so important to figure out where sin starts? So, uh, I have a definition of sin to, to bust out with, and I want to see what you think of my definition of sin. And then, uh, all right, do that. All right. So sin is the desire of anything more than the desire of God. Okay. Sin. I'll say that again. Sin is the desire of anything more than the desire for God. Okay, so by that very definition, actions are excluded. What do you what okay, so what do you mean by that? Well, you can have desires toward things without ever acting, acting upon it. Good. Excellent. So do you agree? What do you think? Do you disagree? Um, I think sin is anything that separates us from God. How's that? That or that tries to separate us from God. It is what separates us from God without Jesus, obviously. Right. Well, for me, okay, so if the chief end of man is the glory of God, right, mm-hmm. by, by loving him, by enjoying him, then sin would be anything that stops us from that chief end. 
which is to glorify God by enjoying Him. And that's where I get my definition of sin as anything that we desire more than we desire God. So there's several ways to come at this. Oh my goodness, so many. Because there is... um, You can go completely one side on this thing and probably miss the point. Right. You can go completely the other side on this thing and probably miss the point. Right. And and so that's why it's a it, it is a narrow like line to walk. Yes. Because we can get to the point to where this leads us into a greasy grace type of thing. <laughs> I'm just a sinner and God cleansed me of it, so woo, Ooh. let me just do what I want. Live in freedom, yeah. right? I might as well just do this because you know, Jesus died for it and sure. blah, 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 which is a horrible, that if, if that's what you're thinking, I, you really need to be questioning whether or not you're trusting in Jesus, like whether or not this is a, that you have a saving faith at all. Right. If you have, if you don't have desire toward godly things, that's, you know, goes back to what you were saying. Right. So, um, but the flip side of this is we go to the complete other side where we say we must eradicate all sin in our life. Lloyd the legalist. Completely, that, <laughs> that you will not enter into heaven unless you are completely exercising your life in a pure manner. Right. So then we all need to shave our heads, become monks, and, you know, whatever else. <laughs> Avoid the evil. Shun the world. Yeah, which, by the way, does not work. No. Not That's not going to fix anything. Right. So all you're going to do is fool yourself into thinking you've done enough. And I can't tell you how many times when I've asked people, you know, well, do you feel like you're going to go to heaven when you die? And their response is, well, I can only hope and pray that I've done enough. Hmm. You're missing the whole boat because I can tell you the answer to that. No. No, you haven't. You done have not enough. done enough. Yeah, and uh, a great example of this. So I'm I'm walking through the Bible with my um, youth group, uh, and we're right now um, we're at Mount Sinai. Okay, so we're in in uh, Exodus, and we talked about the difference between a unilateral and a bilateral covenant. Yes. Okay. Okay. So a unilateral covenant means that it's one way. Um, give you a good example of this. If I say, um, I'm adopting this baby, mm-hmm. this baby is going to be my baby from now on. Uh, I'm going to be the father of this baby. There's nothing this baby can do to get out of it. There's nothing this baby can do to break it. I it's, it's my, my it's your covenant covenant to the, the child. That's right. right. Okay. That would be a unilateral covenant. Um, and it's the same way that God, the covenant that God made to Abraham, Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of, uh, in the middle of Genesis. And then he says, um, and then Abraham, through you, I'm going to bless all the nations. Okay? Right, right. So that's the unilateral covenant, right. the very first premise and, that God and, gives. And God goes out of his way to make sure Abraham knows this is unilateral because they're the ancient tradition of the, the, of the sacrifice and splitting the sacrifice. Right. And the two people walking between the sacrifice. Exactly. That's that was how you made a covenant with one another. Basically, you're both walking between the pieces of the animal and making the statement, the conditions of the covenant, exactly. right? And that's how you sealed the bond. Exactly. Maybe not uh, like today we would just have a stack of legal papers you would sign. Yeah. But, but this is how that happened back then, and and you would put your hands on each other's thighs. 
well after this. <laughs> go ahead, anyways. <laughs> Sorry, I always thought that was a weird tradition. Just go ahead, well, anyways. Well, that's <laughs> that didn't come until the whole circumcision thing. So. Oh yeah. Oh, but, I forgot about that. Okay, so so what? <laughs> Sorry. So what God was was uh, was was doing with this promise to Abraham is He puts him to sleep, and He does that tradition. He he walks by himself right. through the sacrifice while Abraham is unable to. Abraham is asleep and cannot participate. So it's a one-way covenant. Yeah. So it's unilateral. There's it's no promise. way. Exactly. It's a promise. So just like adoption is a, is a one-way covenant, there's no... Right. It's a promise. So, um, But then there's a bilateral covenant, and that happens in Exodus chapter 19, 20. Where God says to uh, to Moses and the people, mm-hmm. "I will be your God; you will be my people if you keep these commandments that I lay down." Right. He gives them the Ten Commandments. Then Moses goes off for forty days up in the mountain, where God still is right there. Mm-hmm. Right there's smoke, there's there's lightning, all this stuff, and the people are like, "Oh, Moses is gone, so let's go ahead and do our own thing." Right. Yeah. So this bilateral covenant they break within forty days mm-hmm. without even trying. They break. Right. Okay. And so this to me is a great picture of where we're at. Uh, And I guess the theological term here is total depravity. Okay. Where we're at in sin. And the fact is that there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we can try to do to stop us from that the truth that we're screwed up and we're going <laughs> to sin. Right. Uh, it started in the garden with with um, Eve, and, uh, and it continues going. So the question is, where does sin start? Where does well, it begin? Before we, before we actually get to that point again, okay. I, want to do some, I want to do some clarifying statements from... Uh, okay, because total depravity... When you say that, it has a connotation that comes with it. Okay, that's the tea in the tulip, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, I didn't think about okay, that. Okay, so yeah, um, whether or not you go the Calvinist route or the Armenian route or anywhere in between that, um, there's there's something that I want to 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 pick up on this is that this is a point that I believe because you and I both know I'm not. Oh, full no. blown Cal- right. Calvinist at all. Yeah. And but I still believe in the T. Yeah. Okay. The total depravity is still there. It's still very much a part of and and people, that's my problem with isms. Yeah. Is because everyone says, oh, that's part of that ism, so it's wrong. Doesn't apply to me. That's not that's not true. Don't right. throw out the baby with the bathwash just because you don't believe in the whole system doesn't yeah. mean that there's well not something you gotta understand. It. Augustine was the originator of this whole idea of total depravity. Mm-hmm. Actually, mm-hmm. he's the first guy that used that kind of term. Right. And that was like what, a thousand years before Calvin, Calvin even existed. Right. So So but the but the concept here is I think scriptures clearly teaches that Man screws up all the time, even whenever they're with a, in a covenant with God, even whenever they are, quote-unquote, obedient. Right. Look at people like David, oh, who yeah. is called a man after God's own heart, and David screws up all the time. Yeah. And Abraham, he killed a guy. Abraham <laughs> screws up all the time. Yeah. Moses screws up. I mean, everybody that, that you could look at, even the Apostle Paul himself admits in Romans 7, I can't do this on with my own will and with my own strength. Exactly. I'm going to be messing up. Right. And and he calls himself a wretched man because of it. Now this is the guy we lift up on this pedestal because he's the apostle Paul, right? right. He's he's like the guy that's supposed to get it all right. Well, that's just the point. No one really gets it all right. Sure. 
And so, um, that's so. So now, if we jump into the whole right, so those are the cons- qualifiers. First thing is we know what sin is, and we know that everybody has it, right? right, right. So here's the here's the interesting question. And Riley actually posed this to us last night. It was mm-hmm. really interesting. He said, "Okay, so you know this is this is cool that you're talking about this because you know you, you asked the question. So did Eve, whenever she first sinned, was it when she bit the apple, or was it when she believed the lie?" Mm-hmm. You know, or when she doubted God, right? Right. Where where did this sin happen? Did it happen in the mind and then give way to the action? Is the action the sin? Where what what is this thing that because we're also called by the way to to fight sin as Christians? Correct. So we need to understand this. And and this is one of the things that is going to be our major point in sure. all this. But the but the, but he, let's go back to how would a Jew of the first century answer that question? I believe that the religious people of the of the time would have answered that question. It happened obviously when she partook of the fruit. Okay, she bit into it, right? Because they were law based, mm-hmm. and everything was about following the law. That's right. Now the law says, "Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery." It has all these very clear uh, um, laid out things that you should do in obedience. Exactly. Okay, but as we talked about last week, when we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, I want to go yes, back and look at some of this great. again. So in Matthew 5, um, I'm just going to pick on lust, because that's one that I think is is easy for Universal. us to understand. <laughs> so in Matthew 5, verse 27 and 28, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so Jesus all but says sin exists before the actual act. Right. Um, Because he's saying, you've said don't do the deed, but I'm telling you, you need to be more focused than that. And the reason he says this, you got to think. So these these religious leaders and these first century Jewish people, they're going around saying, "Well, if we don't do it, we're okay. We're okay. We're it, all right. We can skate. We can get close. Exactly. To doing that. I can get as close as I want to that Grand Canyon, but if I don't fall off, I'm just fine. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's take uh, adultery. Yeah. I mean, even adultery, you could get so legalistic about that that you could say, "Okay, I kissed her." But I didn't commit adultery with her. Right. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. You could get, if you wanted to be legalistic about it, you could get very close without actually stepping over the line. Yeah. And the Jews did this. In fact, they wrote books upon how close you could get without stepping over the line. Right. Uh, like obeying the Sabbath, right? They had a whole yes. l- law yes. book about how to obey the Sabbath. Well, the whole Talmud, the Mish- Mishnah, Mishnah, all yeah. of that is written in order to give us specifications right. on how you obey these One of my laws. favorite examples of that is, uh, I think it was Rob Bell who said, it's like, imagine the game of Monopoly, and you have the rule book for Monopoly, and then they go off and they write five other rule books for that rule book <laughs> on how to obey that rule book for Monopoly. <laughs> right. That's what they were doing. They were trying, they were going, okay, we have to do this, 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 because if we don't step out of line here, we're safe, right? And and we can be really harsh on the Pharisees about this, but 
it is a common thing. It's oh, natural. It's, a universal thing, it's natural for us to even do that with Christianity because what we do is we go, oh, okay, well, the Bible says this, and that implies. Etc. 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 So therefore, you get more rules out of the yeah. deal, and we can even end up holding other people in higher regard mm-hmm. because they're they're able to keep these rules. Like, oh well, you know that preacher, he may have been tempted, he may have thought that thought, but you know he didn't act on it, so, so you he's know, okay. He's all right. Yeah. He's great. You know, he's a he's a wonderful person. So, um, Mark seven um, is one of these places where Jesus is also getting onto the Pharisees. And because they're trying to condemn him for uh, for doing things on the Sabbath and and whatnot, and and well, I think it's more about in Mark seven, it's about washing hands or whatever. It's, yeah. So anyway, it's they're they're picking apart him uh, legalistically, and he kind of gets back on them um, in Mark seven verse twenty. He says, um, "What comes out of a person is what defiles him." Oh yeah. For from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, Mm. slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So he takes it from the physical to the spiritual because right. they're concerned with what he's putting into his mouth being unclean because they didn't wash their hands or whatever. And he's saying, look, it's not the physical part that's that's the issue. It's the heart yeah. that's the issue. And look at the list of things yeah. that he throws out that, that he is saying these are internalized. These are not physical, necessarily physical things, evil thoughts. Yeah. I mean, he specifically mentions that um, even theft, you know, can happen in the mind. Right. Uh, murder, adultery, covetousness, co- coveting. That's something that that's one of the Ten Commandments. Right. You shall not. Thou shalt not covet. Now, what is the physical response to covet? To steal or to. But stealing's another commandment. Exactly. So it's like God, even in the Ten Commandments, divided this between. I'm not only talking about the physical nature of your sin, but also your spiritual nature of it. Well, and his point, yeah, his point is to point out the spiritual state of man. Right. You see, what sin does is it messes up our spiritual state, right? So, again, that whole thing about desiring anything more than we desire God. God created us to desire Him and to love right. Him and to have a relationship with Him. That's That was the reason He created us. So when we even desire these physical things, which God gave us, and they're good things originally, mm-hmm. what, what sin does is it perverts that, and it makes that desire um, a bad thing. Right. Right? And so uh, I guess really to answer that big question, sin is is not so much what we do. Sin is what we're born into and who we are. Mm-hmm. It's our nature. Right. And um, so one of the things that that causes confusion in this whole idea, we call this the conception of sin is what we're kind of calling the episode. Right. Okay, let's go to James 1 yeah. and listen to what James has to say. Because this is where it gets a little bit confusing. We got all these teaching about Jesus saying, "Don't think this and don't think that," or 
don't be this in your heart. He's not really saying don't think this. He's saying don't be this in your heart. Right. Okay, but then we go to James 1 and look there in verse 14 and 15. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so now James is giving us a different view here that makes it almost sound like it's not a real sin. Until it's happened. Until it's actually gone into a physical action of some sort. Right. But honestly, I don't think that's what James is saying. I think what James is saying is that he's giving us the lifespan of sin. And listen to the words. That's such a good thought, yeah. Listen to the words he used. Desire. When it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So we've got conception, and we've got birth being talked about. He says, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. So here we have a lifespan. Conception, birth, Birth. growth, and death. Death. So he's talking about this... Uh, uh, of the growth pattern of sin. Now, um, he talks about this desire as being a bad thing. When desire, when desire has conceived, gives birth to sin. So, I believe that he, what he's in essence saying is that the desire itself is sin, but it's in a conception phase. It's in a, a it's in a small, Just, it's a seed. Yeah. Yeah, it's gestating. Gestating. So imagine your heart is a field, right? Mm-hmm. And the seeds of sin drop into that into that field, right? Right. And so now you, you have these seeds that are that are planted and they're weeds, right? Right. And they're gonna grow out of that. So right now the sin is it's there. It's it is sin. It's yes. just the seed form of the sin. Right. And it is uh, you know, in later on in the book of James. He says, basically, if you offend in one part of the law, you've you've messed it all up. You've you've, and basically, yeah. he's getting back to grace is what he's getting back to because right. he's basically getting on to them for judging others for their sins and not looking at their own. Right. And then he says, uh, mercy rejoices against judgment. Okay. Mm. So basically, what he's saying is that um, that sin is will will condemn you. Yeah. No matter what, even if it's just a seed, even if it's just a little bit, I think we are all. That's we're going back to the total depravity thing. So we all have this sin. We need Jesus for nothing that you can do on right. your on your own at all. So uh, to fix it, Jesus is the re- is the recommendation. He's the only thing that can fix it. So then, now that we got Jesus, now we still have a lifespan of sin in us. Right. So where where does our desire take it? Uh, let's go back to the, the, the picture we have of conception and childbirth. Yeah. Okay, so what happens? A, a, a child is conceived. It has nine months to grow. Yeah. And as it's growing inside of a person, it is maturing. It's getting more complicated. It's getting more developed. Uh, it starts to experience... Um, all kinds of different um, things that make it m- more grown, right? right. So it, 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 this is a person or whatever. So it's um, the, the if we take this analogy back to us, 
when a desire comes to us, <clears throat> we can, if we just leave it alone, if we don't fight what's happening, it's going to grow inside of us. Right. The same way. It's going to mature inside of us and it's going to get bigger. Yeah. And what happens in a pregnancy, it starts to become apparent. Sure. People start Starting seeing to show. it. Yep. They like you know that this woman's pregnant, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so that's it's the same thing can happen inside of us. And a lot of times we like it, we want to nurture it. Right. Well, that, because it's natural. <laughs> yeah. And that's a it's a it's a it's a part of us and and we want to nurture it. And of course, the birth then is actually when it comes into the world and and stops being something internal and starts becoming something external. Right. And then if we it still don't stop it, grows into a man. It continues to grow and to become more complex, and uh, until it leads to to death. Yeah. Um, so, I guess the thing that and this is really weird, but this is an instance where abortion is a good not thing. only justified; <laughs> it's it's what has to happen. Right. So you have to abort your sin. Yes. You can't let it grow in into yeah. a um, something bigger. You've got to stop it while you can. Yeah, and if that analogy doesn't work, go back to the for you. Go back to the weed thing. You gotta you gotta <laughs> yank that thing out right. by the root, right? Right. You gotta get rid of the the whole thing, and you can't leave any of it in there. It can't gesticulate anymore. It's got to go, right? And you'd said something earlier was really interesting about the. Um, it's a lot harder to abort a full grown man than it is a. A, a baby, yeah. right? Yeah. Once it once it becomes because, you know, then it becomes uh, a, just a bigger thing, and and you're more emotionally. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff here that right. that we get attached to our sin the same way you would get attached to anything else that you've conceived. Sure. And 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 whatnot. So I want to go to Second Corinthians ten, okay. and, and look at verse three through five. It says, "For though we walk in the flesh." We are not waging war according to the flesh. Right. Okay, now that's first off, that's a big statement because basically it's saying, look, the fight you're going to be fighting isn't just your physical things. It's not just don't steal and don't actually commit the act of fornication or adultery. What he's saying is the walk is, is even though we're in the flesh, we're not waging a war on the fleshly level. It is something else. He says, for the weapons of our warfare... Or not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Mm. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Okay, so I think this is kind of the answer into Yeah, this is great. In, into how you deal with it's about it's it's about capturing at an early stage. Yeah. That's, that's what it's about. So, um, your desire, your, yes, we have a new heart. We've been given a new heart and that changes our desire, but that doesn't make us sin less. It makes us more armored for this warfare. Exactly. It gives us weapons yeah. to fight the sin. Well, and I think this is so, this is why it's so important to understand the work that Christ did on the cross. We are positionally perfect. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when God looks upon us, if we're under the blood of Christ, we are seen as perfect, as mm-hmm. sinless to Him already. 
Yeah. We are positionally that's, because that's the only way we perfect. could could be accepted exactly. is to be see, seen completely sinless. Right. Which we physically aren't. That's right. But in reality, as long as we dwell in this flesh, and that's where uh, Paul talks about uh, in, in Matthew, starting in Matthew, or not Matthew, well, uh, Romans chapter 6, right? Mm-hmm. Where to sin dwell, it dwells within our fleshly members. So the idea is as long as we dwell in these meat sacks, we are, we are going to end up sinning. Yeah. And Jars of clay. Exactly. What, what happens is, is we have fleshly desires. And really, when you think about 100, almost 100% of your sin, it's all fleshly desire. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. it's either covetousness, lust, uh, envy, strife, lack jealousy, of love, lack going, of love. Going anger. back to what we're talking about, right? You know, uh, all these things are driven, can be driven out by love. Exactly. So these are all fleshly things, mm-hmm. and so what happens is, is, even though we're positionally perfect in Christ, we are still physically imperfect. Yeah. And until we're glorified, until we die and are with him, we're still going to be physically imperfect. So the goal here then is becomes exactly what you said, uh what what um the warfare. First Corinthians says that mm-hmm. warfare mm-hmm. and then capturing every thought as it comes out. Yes. It doesn't say don't think because you can't stop thinking before you think. Right. I mean, you can't stop a thought before it hits you. It's just physically impossible. Exactly. There's no way you can do that. And and some of those thoughts are going to be sinful. The, the the key is capturing it yeah. at conception yeah. so that it doesn't grow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because okay, so here's what happens naturally. What we do is we start letting these things grow. And then sometimes we do that in a way where we start justifying it. Self-justification. You know, well, I didn't actually do this. It's not actual porn. It's just <laughs> swimsuits. You know, or whatever. Right. I mean, we we take and we start justifying our desire and our lust or our covetousness or whatever as something else. Sure. We redefine it in our minds. And what this does is it builds up a protection around this sin. Yeah. And I believe the scripture here in Second Corinthians refers to this as a stronghold. So you build a stronghold around your sin. So that you're protecting it, you're letting it grow. And right. what and what does he say here? He says, "Our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds." Mm. So, so you have the ability to break that down through God, through His Holy Spirit, which is inside of you. Yeah, and that's where we need to get to is that Holy Spirit. So, I have another scripture I want to read: Romans eight, uh, which is really good about that. Um, and it starts out, verse 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're positionally perfect. Yeah. So the first thing you need to stop worrying about is, is this sin yeah. going to cause I'm going to screw up, and all of a sudden I'm going to hell. Going to hell. Right. And that's yeah. not, Paul says, no, forget that. That's stupid. Yeah, it needs to be, uh, screwed up, and I don't want this. Exactly. I don't want to be this. And then right. he says, for the law, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son to the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled for us. So it's taken care of. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Qualifier. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what does that simply mean? 
your want to is your desire where your direction exactly so now you are going to walk according to the spirit and god jesus and we've said this before talking about the holy spirit jesus actually says it's for my benefit that i leave because i'm going to give you this fighter inside you called the holy spirit and that's what we need to focus on right so so this is warfare which means there's going to be battles you lose that's right but the, but the thing is, you don't let that get you down. Uh, you don't get to the point to where, uh, okay, when in Romans 7, when Paul is going on and on about the things I don't want to do, those are the things I'm doing. The things I do want to do, those are the things I'm not doing. And oh, wretched man that I am. Right. I mean, he's really frustrated with, him, with his nature. Yeah. And then he says, through this, I have learned something, that there are two laws at work. There is a law of... Sin. There is a law of the flesh yeah. that I am born under, that I am drawn to, that happens. But there is a law of Christ. There's this law of the Spirit that lifts me up above it. And and so here's here's the best analogy I can think of in our modern terms. There's a law of gravity, and you can't get around the law of gravity as long as you're on the earth, right? Right. The, gravity works. Right. And you must obey it. Right. <laughs> it it if you step off of the, off of the building, you're hitting the floor. Okay. Yeah. So the thing is, don't step off the building, and you and, the, and you can defy the law of gravity. Right. Yeah. So our decisions do weigh into how this law affects us. Yes. Okay. Now there's another law that we know of, and that's the law of of aerodynamics. Now this law tells us if you spread out your wings far enough. And you get to moving fast enough, you can circumvent the law of gravity. Now, so an airplane does this. Every time an airplane takes off, it's defying gravity right. through the power of another law. Okay? But what happens? <laughs> That's so good. It can't sustain that forever because the things that are driving that are fuel, airspeed, you know, velocity. Those types of things are not fully sustainable. So what has to happen is it you, has to come back down. The gravity takes effect and it comes back down. The thing is, you can fuel that thing back up and get That's it right. back in the air. You don't have to put it in the hangar and go, oh, well, gravity works and I'm stuck with it. Uh, no, you can. And that is what I think is what we're saying here is fill your tank with fuel. Right. Get your speed up. Stay. The desire for flight right. is what drives us. And it, just like our desire for God is what drives us. So uh, I, uh, Paul continues there in 2 Corinthians when he says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Okay, one of the sins that we struggle with is pride, right? And this is a sin that doesn't always come out. Sometimes it's only on the inside. But th- this power can destroy those arguments so in other words, the justifications, all the arguments that we do with ourselves to, to make this sin okay. Right. Uh, and every lofty opinion, oh, you know, that I'm, I'm too good to actually, that's not a real sin because I'm better than that or whatever. <laughs> you, you have this lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge that God is the one. God is the standard, not you. Right. Like there's no bar that you can set. That's going to reach God, and it's only through His Holy Spirit that you're able to weed out these these sin uh, seeds in the first place. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you get rid of the sin seeds, and then you plant in there the good seed, right? Right. Which is right. what the Holy Spirit does. So I think the armor of God, uh, Ephesians six plays in, 
greatly into this. Yes. The idea of uh, that we are completely in warfare, we need to put on the whole armor of God every day, reminding of our, ourselves of our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, shodding our feet with the, with the gospel. Preparation. Preparation. Yeah. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, using that to fight against... Uh, the lies that that were and it all works together. Against, yeah, I mean your shield. You got to have all of that right. when you go into into battle. Exactly. So really, the best the best way to combat this sin is to whenever it hits that ground, before it sinks in, you grab it, you throw it out. Yeah. Right. So I had this <clears throat> mental picture of Willy Wonka, the the not the older one, but the newer one. Right. Have you watched the newer one with yeah, Johnny the Depp? Johnny Depp one. Yeah. So in the, in the Willy Wonka and Johnny Depp one, I know it's weird, but they, they come to this point. <laughs> I know it's odd, but well, this is the original where my mind story went. is weird. Yeah, it's just odd. But they come to this one room where Willy Wonka has all these squirrels, right? And these squirrels are working with these nuts, right? <laughs> right. And they're like they're separating. Mm-hmm. They're the good good nut and, and the bad nuts. And every once in a while, they'll tap on one, and it becomes a bad nut. And what do they do? Toss they, it. they toss that sucker out of there. And that's what we've got to do as Christians in our daily walk. Yeah. Any bad thought that comes out, yeah, you throw it out. Throw it out. And right? it's but but don't take that to the point to where you're the little girl. Oh, I guess she was a bad nut. <laughs> Exactly. You're not the bad nut. No. The, the, so that you have that inside of you, though. Exactly. That you got to get them out, and you got to don't let them grow because that's what nuts do. They grow into bigger things. Exactly. Okay. So, what does a full grown sin look like? Oh, so man. this is going to be I'm I'm going to I'm going to be self condemning as well as condemning. Sure. So don't no one no one take this as uh, oh you're <laughs> stepping on my toes because I'm stepping on my own toes here. So. What does a full-grown sin look like? When James is talking about if you let it grow, it becomes unmanageable. It becomes uh, big. Okay, I found this this article online that actually really nails this pretty pretty well. Or at least I thought it was it was something to think about. Okay, so he he put together some ideas of what a full-grown sin looks like, and this is really challenging. So ask yourself a question. I disregard repeated harm to myself and others in exchange for pleasure, gratification, or a momentary thrill that I receive. If that is true, then that sin is fully grown. So do you disregard repeated harm to yourself and others in exchange for pleasure or self-gratification? Here's another uh, sign that, uh, that a sin has reached maturity. I acknowledge that it's wrong. But I continue to justify to myself and others that I'm okay since I'm aware of it. So, you know, it's it's a repeated process. Or how about this one? I can't help myself or seem to stop voluntarily. I continue to find myself doing the same thing again and again. It has a stronghold on my decision-making and my will. So if this is true, then that sin could be mature. I have practiced it for years. And I have mastered keeping it hidden and living as if nothing is going on. And I think that almost all of us have that can can say that. Sure. That you've that there is that sin that there that you've managed to hide from everybody. Right. And you've become a master at keeping it hidden um, and out of sight, out of mind. How about this one? I hear the word of God or truth, and I'm still not free. There is no real conviction convincing that change is necessary to please God. Hmm. So this is the greasy grace side of it. 
when you if you're in that position to where you're saying you know what that's just my that's just the way we are totally depraved and you're living in it you're just deciding okay there's nothing i can do about it so i might as well just stay here. accept it and it's fine i'm parking my plane in the hangar yeah um and if you're parking your plane in the hangar no there's no holy spirit firing it there's nothing that's that's moving and so then you really have to start questioning. That's where you look at faith. James' statement, faith without works is dead. Right. It's right. not, is it a real faith? Is it's it a, not a saving faith. Right. So, uh, so man, these are, are, are very self-condemning things. I mean, there are things that you can look at and say, okay, for example, you sin. Then you confess that sin to God or pray for forgiveness or whatever, however you handle it. But then you go right back into it. Right. And then you confess and then you handle it. Then you confess. Then you, it, and it becomes this, this pattern of, of life cycle. It means that sin has taken hold of you. It's fully grown and dealing with it's harder, but it doesn't mean it can't be dealt with. Still be dealt with in the same way that you deal with it as a, a little nut. Right. But it's just, you got to use an ax now. Right. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so you can't just, you know, pull it out of the ground. You you have to actually pull out the big guns to take it down. Mm. Um, so uh, otherwise, uh, it would make a liar out of Romans 6. Um, so we've talked a lot about Romans, and we've b- bounced around. Uh, I, you mentioned some of Romans 6. But in Romans 6, verses 11 through 18, it says, So you must also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign mm. in your mortal body. Now it doesn't say exist, but reign. reign. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a kingly thing. Don't let it have the throne. Don't let it don't let it mature in you. Um, don't let it reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, yes. and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. grace. Which is an interesting point, because when you're under law and you're under legalisms, you're always going to be slave to sin. Right. Because you're justifying every little sin so that you can get around the law. Um so it says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. By no means, or any other expletive you want to throw in there. That Heck follows. no! <laughs> do, not know, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one whom you obey, yeah. either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Um, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms. Because of your natural limitations, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now... Present your members as slaves of righteousness leading to sanctification. So sanctification is the constant purification of of ourselves as we become closer and closer to what Christ was. It's the continuing walk. It's It's the continual refueling and taking flight again. Right. It's not glorification. We haven't reached orbit yet. Once you reach orbit, you don't have to worry about the gravity thing anymore. Yeah. Right? And once you... You can turn your engines off 
and let the spirit take you. Let you 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 let it work. That's at, such a great at, analogy. At, I've never at, heard that before. At that point, That's but so but good. as long as you're in the atmosphere, as long as we're we're you're going to be dealing with that constant pull of the ground. Yeah, um, man. So and of course, um, it says there in, in verse twenty: for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Mm-hmm. So. You yeah you were you you didn't have a care in the world but you didn't even want to fly, back in the day, but our desire has been changed, uh, for that. So, what do you think, man? <laughs> I think we've answered the question, and I think there's some really good practical stuff here. Now the key is implementing it, right? Yes. yes. Uh, the fight for sin is no easy thing, but I love John Owen's quote, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Yes. And that's so absolutely true that, you know, it's the enemy. Mm-hmm. It really is. And our, if our desire truly is to... The fight doesn't end at conversion. No. The fight really begins at conversion. That's because up right. to that point, you're not even fighting. No. Really. I mean, so... You actually have to pick up and struggle at conversion. Right. But, you know, it's a great struggle. Realizing that you can fly yes. is awesome. And when you're in flight, it's wonderful. Oh, yeah. When you go back down, just realize, guess what? You're going to go back up. Yeah. And yeah. do it. That's the key. Yeah, that's, so. that's awesome. Awesome. All right. You ready for some news? You got some news? I do. And now, the news. So I was super excited about this, and then... I just found out what it was, and I got really bummed again. Uh, Toby Mac, DC Talk. Have you heard about DC Talk's reunion? Yes. So DC Talk was one of my biggest favorite bands ever when I was a kid. God is doing a new New thing. thing. Yes, so good. But uh, anyway, so they said that they were going to reunite, and then they explained what that was. They're reuniting for a Jesus Freak cruise. So you have to buy tickets to go on this cruise to see them, and everybody was up in arms. And uh, Relevant Magazine has a great uh, story about this. Um, And this is Toby Mac's reaction to it. said, yesterday, DC Talk finally made their big announcement. After posting teasers on social media and major news that would be coming this week, the group finally let fans know what they had in store, a Jesus Freak cruise. The group went on a 16-year hiatus... Uh, at the height of their popularity, and through all, and though all three members have gone on to successful solo careers and new projects, many fans believed a re- reunion was imminent. Needless to say, the announcement that the band would be hosting a four-day cruise didn't exactly go over well. <laughs> Not everybody's <laughs> upset. <laughs> to be fair, according to the cruise website, there will be a reunion on board. Aside from a few joint collaborations over the years, the band has never re- reunited uh, as DC Talk until now. So this is what uh, this is what Toby Mac has to say about it. After 16 years of silence, we are thankful uh, that there are still so many passionate fans. Someone came to us with the idea of Michael, Kevin, and I getting together on a cruise, and we thought that would be fun and it would be intimate, way more intimate than an arena tour could ever be. We've said no to coming back together so many times, but this time we finally said yes. It can be so challenging for us all to get together with our families, going in different directions, in our own bands and our families. We are sorry that is not everything you wanted. We would never (laughs) want to let any of you down. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm starting a GoFundMe. You can pay for Jeremiah's trip to (laughs) 
CDC talk on a, I'm joking. But man, how much of a bummer. They're going to reunite. And Did I ever tell you my DC talk story? No, I don't guess so. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I'm, I'm telling you uber fan of DC talk. Like uber fan. Whenever I was in high school, my girlfriend bought me tickets to go see them for the first time. Jesus, no, Supernatural tours right after the Jesus Freak tour. Mm-hmm. It was it would be the last tour they ever did, and I didn't know this at the time, but I was also in a musical, okay? And the dress rehearsal was the night of the concert, and my musical, uh, the director said, Jeremiah, if you don't come to the dress rehearsal, you're out of the play. And so I'm like, well, there will always be other DC Talk tours, but I'll never get to be in this play again. So I chose the, the dress rehearsal, and then they broke up after that tour. And I was so furious, so angry. Anyway, so, hey, if uh, you like... Um, <laughs> That's awesome. If you like DC Talk and water, go check that mm-hmm. out. On okay. the Sea of Tears. On the Sea of Tears. Did you see the Babylon yeah. Bee on that? <laughs> okay, uh, and other news... Uh, 111 United Methodist Church clergy members defy the denomination's LGBT ban. Yesterday, 111 leaders within the United Methodist Church signed an open letter in which they came out as lesbian, gay, or bisexual. The group is standing against their denomination's ban on self-avowed practicing homosexuals. Uh, as reported by CNN. And according to a spokesperson, some 80% of those who signed the letter are coming out for the first time. In the letter to denominational leaders of the group, said CNN reporters, the church rulers require that they not bring their full selves to ministry, that they hide um, from view their sexual orientations and gender identities. Hmm. Um, So... Yeah, there's a big uproar in the Methodist denomination right now, so be praying for that whole thing. That's weird. You know, it's tough. It's... <sighs> what do you do there? Uh, it's... it's it's. I mean, it's to go back to this whole sin thing. It's like, yeah, you can say they're not fighting it, but how many others are not fighting their sins either? That's I mean, right. it's just different sin. That's um, right. This is a very public sin that has a lot of very negative things tied to it, so... Regardless of what the scriptures actually say, there is a political reason why this is, right. you know, uh, there. So, uh, man, it's just, it's weird. It's tough. So be praying for them. Pray for the church in our nation as a whole because of this whole thing we have to face. It's, it's tough. And I don't see a, a clear, happy way out of it. So um, ISIS released a children's app to teach Arabic. ISIS. Okay. Released the children's nice. app. Yeah. The Islamic State's Lib- Liberty of Zeal released an Android app on Tuesday to teach children the Arabic alphabet and vocabulary words, mm-hmm. of course, using jihadist themes. The app A features- is for knife. Yes, exactly. B is for beheading. <laughs> the app features games that help kids memorize and write the Arabic letters and learn the alphabet. Included words are tank, gun, sword, rocket, <laughs> as some of the first words that pop up to learn, all accompanied by pictures. It also includes a UN ISIS, a U. Oh, it also includes un ISIS, sorry, words you would expect from kids' books like trees and bread. The most recent app isn't ISIS's first attempt using mobile apps or social networking to try to recruit members. Last February, they launched the Android app to broadcast Alban uh, Radio, a station of the group's information. 
And the last November, they released an app that basically a, that's basically a jihadist news feed. This new attempt is probably because Twitter began suspending accounts that threatened or promoted terrorism in the middle of 2015. By February, Twitter had suspended 125,000 accounts. Hmm. The app was released on file sharing websites and obviously isn't available on Google Play. <laughs> isn't that crazy? I mean, they're just doing more to to try to uh, to get us uh, involved in jihad. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, I got one more. I got some Pope news, so let's do that. <laughs> this is from the Washington Pope. Pope Francis on Thursday reportedly told an international conference of nuns at the Vatican that he supports the idea of studying whether women can serve as deacons in the church. It was not immediately clear whether Francis' remark offered during a question-and-answer session means he supports only studying more deeply the role of women in the early church, or whether it's open to allowing women to serve as deacons now. The Catholic Church deacons are clergy who may baptize in a similar way to priests, may officiate at weddings, and may preach. Unlike priests, they may marry. So he's looking, <laughs> he's, he's expanding the role of women in the Catholic Church. Interesting. Good for him. Great Pope. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that's all I got today. Okay. Well, hey, how about some trivia? Awesome. Video <clears throat> trivia. <laughs> all right, there's some for you. Thanks. Okay, we did this a couple weeks ago. Yep. And uh, let's see, we both got through our history and geography. Yep. So we're tied. That's right. So I'm on prophecy. All right, let me find a good one here. They're all relatively difficult. So Actually, this one's pretty easy. Which Old Testament prophet is quoted most often in the New Testament? I'm going to say Isaiah. Isaiah is correct, sir. Woo! I wanted to say Nahum, but... No, Isaiah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Nahum? (laughs) What? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Here we go. All right. Which Old Testament prophet prophesied as as recorded in the New Testament... The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Bob Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Here, let me give you some music. So that our listeners can contemplate. Isn't that Isaiah as well? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that's what I thought. So you know, yeah, you got a pretty good shot on these Old Testament prophet things. Yeah. You can say Isaiah or Ezekiel, Ezekiel <laughs> Daniel, Jeremiah. Okay. okay, so names. Oh yeah, here we go. Who was the second born of Rachel? That's an easy one too. I think. Boom, boom. 
I am going to say Benny. Yeah, Benny. Benjamin. Benjamin. The young guy. Yeah, a little Benji. The one they like to lock up in Egypt so that Joseph can play a trick on his brothers. (laughs) Mean guy. Okay, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) I got a good one for you. Onan. You ready? No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> not going there. <laughs> it's not why I was laughing. Okay, so how many generations were there from Sarah to Esau? Sarah as in the mo- as in the wife of Abraham? Yes. Between Sarah and Esau. Well, Sarah was Esau's grandma, right? Yes, that's close enough. I, two generations. Two generations. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like a difficult question. Right, but it's way easy. <laughs> okay, I feel good about myself awesome. now. Yeah, All right. so we're just both moving along. Okay, yeah. but you know what? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> we have voicemail. And you know, I always love this when when Meredith calls. <laughs> you never know what to expect. Well, no, it's like she's binge listening. So oh, yeah. it's like she. We, right. got, we got three messages here. Okay, awesome. So here we go. Hey, it's Meredith. How are y'all doing? Hope y'all having a good week. Um, I just finished listening to the episode where Jack was the guest host and I thought it was great. I thought he did a really good job and um, I enjoyed that. So um, there was one thing in there y'all were talking about um, the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where he mentions um, store up treasures in heaven and for where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And um, that reminded me of something that I heard a preacher say at Super Summer a couple of years ago. He was talking about um, you know, what is our heart really desiring? And he made a good point that I never thought about before. He said, if you, if your heart is really, if you're really after Jesus, then you will hate your sin because your sin keeps you apart from Jesus. But if what you really want is your sin, then you'll end up actually hating Jesus because Jesus keeps you from getting to your sin that you really desire. So I thought that was an interesting way to think about it, and it's true. You know, what what are we really desiring? Are we really desiring Christ? Are we really wanting our sin, but he's, you know, he's kind of getting in the way and That's good. Uh, keeping us from what we really want. And so I, I just pray that I will really want him more than anything else. And... Um, so I thought that was interesting. Wanted to pass that along. And also, I had an idea for an episode for y'all. You could ask people to submit questions, and y'all could answer them on an episode. For instance, I have a couple questions I would like for y'all to address. And one of them is, what is the difference between the soul and the spirit? I've always wondered that. And then another question that I have hmm. is, when we pray, should we only pray to the Father, or is it okay to pray to Jesus and to the Spirit? Because I heard someone say one time you should only pray to the Father, but I don't, I don't know. 
about that. I don't know what the answer to that is. So anyway, just an idea. I hope you guys are having a great day, and I will talk to you soon. Keep up the good work. Awesome. A couple of really good questions there. And very timely message yes, based what on what we were, we were just teaching, talking about. Uh-huh. That's great. So um, so we're not Hank Hanegraaff. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, I'm all for, you know, diving into uh, trying to answer some of these questions. Well, yeah. In fact, I've thought about that before, too. And, and the soul spirit thing? Yeah, and studied that a little bit. The difference between emotion, I've heard it described as emotions versus intellect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, and then also the, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just because to say there's not a lot of um, of solid no, there's stuff not. To, to, to really um, to, to argue here. And uh, honestly, I haven't looked into it very deeply. However, um, I did do a study one time about the Shema. And and God's whole uh, declaration to love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, mm-hmm. and like, what's the difference in those things? Like, right. what does it mean to love God with all your heart, and then with all your soul, and then with all your mind? And so, when looking at the soul, there, it was more of a that is you, right? Like that is who you are right. is your soul. You you don't have a soul. You are. You are a soul, and so. I think you have a body, right? And so, uh, and whereas spirit, I think of more in Emotions. terms, or not only that, I always, I think of that as the, as godly influence, the the actual spirit of God indwelling and coming in, and, well, and yeah. uh, whenever you talk about the the huh. the word pneuma. As in spirit, spirit yeah. you know. Um, but you know, there's there's all kinds of, of things that we can speculate, and I'm sure there are verses that would throw uh, right. wrenches in all that. But um, we'll have to look at it a little further. What was our other one? The I can't remember the. Uh... <laughs> we just played the oh, praying to the Father or praying oh, to the oh. Son, Holy Spirit, and I've heard that too. Okay, that was a big one. With some of the of the congregations that I have visited, oh, really? uh, in my past and stuff, and so, <clears throat> in fact, there are hymns. Going back to this hymn, <laughs> there are hymns that were off limits, yeah, because of uh, things like this. There's a song called "Just a Little Talk with Jesus," right? Mm-hmm. You know that song? Oh, you don't talk with Jesus; you talk with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, isn't and Jesus God? Just a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> Tell them all about our troubles. And anyway, and then there's another uh, hymn that's very popular, Tell It to Jesus, mm-hmm. Tell It to Jesus. And so um, that one was always kind of off limits in some groups and, and whatever. But here's my thing, just kind of like what you said. We, we forget that God is triune nature. Yeah. That Jesus is part of God. In fact, the whole book of John is about telling us how Jesus is God. He was yeah. there in the beginning. He was part of this whole process. So when we worry about rhetoric like that, I don't think you, yeah, God's is, is uh, focused on that as well. We're are. thinking about him in, a, in the wrong light yeah. uh, whenever we do that. And there's also one thing that I find out interesting. I found interesting here is when Stephen dies, the stoning of Stephen, at the very end of chapter 7 of Acts, uh, it says in verse 58, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling down to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, Lord, a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And as he said this, he fell asleep. Stephen prays. Right. At the, at the moment of his death. And he prays to Jesus. He prayed directly to Jesus. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Yep. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Now, Lord in the Old Testament is usually Adonai, right. which, is an, uh, which is a way of writing Yahweh's name so that it, it, it writes uh, reverence to, to God without pronouncing the name of God. Right. Um, but in the New Testament, the word Lord primarily refer, is referring to Jesus. Jesus becomes Lord. And so, uh, and here he even addresses Jesus as Lord, receive my spirit. So, is it legal? Can we do it? Well, Stephen did it as he was dying. Right. So, um, I don't really see the argument. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I used to argue this when I got into my whole study on the three parts of God. So, who, what... Who is Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So we pray what through, their parts are, what their right, jobs are through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to God. Right. That's what we have to do. <laughs> right. And I got into that, but you know, the more I think about it, it it's God. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So. I, I I think it's kind of a non non sequitur right type of thing. Okay. Well, it, well, she's not done. So let's. Okay, I just have to say that. I could get really frustrated and hopeless actually thinking about studying the Bible and trying to understand the Bible and follow the Bible because there's just so many stinking ways to get it wrong. And (laughs) it's just frustrating because, you know, the typical person doesn't have the original languages and it's hard to go back and understand the context of every book. And we, like you said, we bring so much to the table from our own biases and our own backgrounds. And there is one actual real truth in the scriptures, but there's so many different interpretations from fallible humans that sometimes it just seems like, gosh, how can we really understand this? I mean, I know now, you know, we could get online and go look into the original languages and all that, but what about the person that doesn't have that or hasn't had that for 2,000 years? Is some person, you know, out on a farm reading the Bible and trying to understand it, it just, I don't know, it seems so overwhelming sometimes. And I know we have the Holy Spirit, but... Everyone thinks they're listening to the Holy Spirit, and they're all wrong except for one person who interprets it the right way, and everyone else interprets it the wrong way, and they think they're listening to the Holy Spirit. So, I don't know. I don't know if you can even solve this dilemma, but sometimes it just seems like you could just let yourself get so hopeless about it. But, anyway, fix that one for me. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this is obviously in response to our biblical inerrancy right. uh, discussion. Yeah. Um, so here's, I'm just giving my take on this. Okay. God is not expecting perfection in interpretation. I don't believe. 
I, I would not have said that years ago. Years ago, I would have said, no, you got to get it right. You got to figure it out. You got to get it right. Otherwise, because if you don't get it all right, you're not good with God. But I, I don't I don't think that that is the intent of the scriptures. Well, take a step back. <clears throat> and the first thing you need to do is realize that there were almost a thousand years there where the the average layman didn't even have a Bible. Correct. To read. Correct. So a good thousand years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're really blessed. Number one, that we can read it. Mm-hmm. But it's very, it's very uh, dangerous to go. We have to get this absolutely one hundred percent right. Now, if we're preaching and teaching scripture, I think we're held to a different standard. I, right. I, I I do believe we I, are. But if yeah, I don't I don't think that you need to stress about um about quote unquote getting it right. Well, and because there is something that um that you know in years past I used to really be um big into a lot of the studies of uh Chuck Missler and yeah. those, and there's he did this huge thing. I got this really cool book by him called Cosmic Codes. And uh the the interesting thing about it is the depth of the scriptures. Yeah. Like beyond like you can go crazy on this. You know, right. we talked about the equidistance lettering thing and all there's all kinds of weird stuff in the original text that is so fascinating. That there's codes in there. There there are things that cannot be accidental. There are really cool things in there. Now, the thing is not everybody's going to get that. Right. Not everyone's going to see it. It's there as a nugget that for the student who is searching and searching and searching as a faith builder that says this is supernatural. This right. is not the work of a man. And and so these things all serve their purposes. And we may all read a passage and get a little different take on it. But the thing is, are we trying to are we trying to serve God in it? Yeah. And where is going back Where's to the intent? Going back to what we talked about in this episode, where is where is our desire? Is yeah. our desire toward God? If it's you know, we might miss something. In fact, you will miss something. Yeah. Okay. No one's going to go to their grave, get with it all figured out. Nobody. Even if you think you've got it all figured out. Right. I'm sorry. You're wrong. I'm going to tell you right now that you don't have it figured out. Yeah. There, you have an error in doctrine somewhere. The thing is, we also have, in addition to the doctrine of how we, of how we are to live our lives, we also have grace and we have mercy. And as James said, Mercy rejoices against judgment. So you can pick apart someone's theology until it's crazy, but you know, you've got to learn to have mercy in your in your right. lives there. So one of the things that Chuck Missler did in this book is he talked about how the Bible spreads the message across the bandwidth. And what he means by that is back in World War II and whatnot, whenever you would send a coded message, like an encoded transmission, what you would do is you would send it across the bandwidth of the frequency in order so that if it got intercepted by the enemy, they couldn't, they might catch a piece of it, but they can't catch it all. Right. The message is still going to get through, and it's getting through because he spread it across the bandwidth. So what he's saying is, for example, cut out the chapter on faith. Can you do it? No. Huh. Why? Because the message of faith spreads across the bandwidth of the book. Right. Cut out the, the chapter on baptism. You can't. Cut out the chapter on on, I mean, any number of, of important Christian things, confession, repentance, whatever it is, 
cut that little piece out of the scriptures. Well, okay, what about love? Well, you can cut out 1 Corinthians 13, but, but that's, not going to, that's not going to remove love from the New Testament. Right. So the point being is that the message is going to come through even if things get goofed up in the transmission. Yeah. And because the fact that you're reading it in English means it's goofed up in yeah. the transmission. Right. And, and so, um, yes, not everyone can speak a foreign language. I can't speak those languages either. Right. But I'm at least to a place where I know how to get to them. Now, what about the guy who's a farmer or lives out in the middle of the bush of Africa or whatever and does not have access to all those tools? Does that mean that he's not going to find the truth? The truth is Jesus. Right. Which is right there on the surface of the message that, that travels across the whole bandwidth of the yeah. thing. Yes, he might, he might have some things goofed up. I, I heard of a, a, a group in Africa who was actually, for communion, serving cookies for the bread and Dr. Pepper for... The That's a church I want to go to. <laughs> now, the reason why is because they did not have... Uh, they did not have the bread, right? And they did not have any type of grape juice, wine, whatever. Sure, but cookies were the most valuable thing they had because it was—it's a rare thing. And and the Dr Pepper was the most mm-hmm. valuable thing. So it was like they chose the greater thing that, that they had to use as a symbol for. Now, does is that scriptural? Is that biblical? Well, no, there's some fallacy in in all that. <laughs> Is God going to send a lightning bolt down because they're taking uh, Dr. Pepper in honoring Jesus' blood? <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that right. because he's looking at what the what's going on in their heart. And you have to be... Now, I'm a, not going to serve Dr. Pepper in communion. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of faith that's required in this when you study Scripture. Um, if, if you're coming at it with a pure heart, in other words, coming at it with a... a a desire, a desire to know God, and you have the Holy Spirit, then have faith that what you're going to come to, He's not going to lead you into any unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. He's going to be faithful to lead you. And if you do have something messed up, that He's going to eventually correct it. It's simply that, that, that way. And you're going to grow. Right. But if you come to it with a mindset of manipulation, which so many people preachers do, mm-hmm. and that's why you see so much, quote-unquote, misinterpretation of Scripture. is really more manipulation of Scripture than anything else. Yeah. You look at um, the Benny Hens or some of the other name-and-claim-it yeah. preachers or cult leaders who use Scripture for their own advantage, don't have the Holy Spirit, and are able to twist it to say whatever they want it to say. Yeah, and that's totally different than just yeah, honestly exactly. trying to understand it and missing it. Right. Um, you're not going to become a cult leader if, if you're coming at it with a pure well, heart wanting to... And Romans 14 is important for this, because it talks about differences of opinion concerning what's right and what's wrong and what you should do and what you shouldn't be doing. Right. And, the, and one of the big things that it says there in, in this, it says... Um, you know, that the one who, like, let's take food, for example, the one who refuses to eat does so in service to God. He's honoring God in his heart. The guy who chooses to eat gives thanksgiving for it in his heart to God. And therefore, both of these guys right. are are acceptable in God's sight because they're serving him in what they're choo- what they their honest understanding of w- what they should be doing in order to serve sure. God. 
True. So, all right, let's get to who the last message here. Okay, I think that trivia question about which town was closest to Jerusalem. I think that answer Bethlehem was wrong. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the verse said that Bethany was only like one or two miles from Jerusalem. So I'm driving right now, so I can't look it up, but I'm going to have to check that one out because I'm thinking that game was wrong. I'm thinking it's Bethany. Okay, so that was a short little (laughs) thing. Okay, um, I actually looked this up. And she's right. It's Bethany. Bethany was one is one and a half miles from Jerusalem, but the trivia card said Jericho, which is the farthest. Right. From I think it said Jericho, right? Yeah. Okay. So it asked what was the closest and gave you the farthest. Yes, I think that was an honest mistake by the makers of the game. game. They were probably uh, asking the wrong question or answering the wrong. I mean, they were like right. So they okay. So here's here's the breakdown. Bethany. One and a half miles from Jerusalem. Bethlehem is six miles from Jerusalem. Emmaus is six and a half miles from Jerusalem. And Jericho is 17 miles from Jerusalem. So Jericho is the furthest, but it was the answer on the card as the closest. So see, good job, listeners. Good job, Meredith. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Be a Berean. Yes. Amen. All right. So here we go. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date on all of our shows, including posthumously finding Christ in cinema. (laughs) 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 And the worship show and the yet-to-be-completely fully announced but still kind of there, the Middle Earth thing. Yeah. I don't know what to call it, but... We'll call it the Middle Earth thing. Okay. <laughs> Visit our website at theonotpodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonotpodcast.com. There are several ways to contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gct, gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments and rate us as it helps with our show reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being back. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. You should get to the point where anyone else would quit, and you're not going to stop there.